Welcome to Colin Brain versus EMCU. Hello and welcome everybody to your favourite podcast designed for your ear holes. This week, we are catching up with Mr. Andrew Garfield and Miss Emma Stone in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And as always, we like to be very honest with you all. As Colin literally just said, just before we started recording, it's been five weeks Oh, this is exact, and two days since we watched the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so our memory is a little patchy, but I'm sure we'll get through it. You're in safe hands. But before, obviously, we jump into things, it's time to introduce my fellow co-hosts. Firstly, a man so dedicated to his audio commentary facts that one of the reasons why we delayed this episode was because he hadn't got round to buying the damn Blu-ray even though it's now on streaming services, all because he wanted to listen to the audio commentary. Now, that's dedication. It's Robert Drop. Rob, say hello. Hello, and you're glad I did, because it introduced the world to a new jingle that I like to call Aviarad. Aviarad. Good old Avi. Aviarad. 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 In which the it was gold from the start. <laughs> so the film opens up. We have the old 90s not 90s, like noughties, uh, Marvel logo. You would have seen in the Raimi films and everything. So this is the Avi Rad who, from the first Amazing Spider-Man, said that um, the Kurt Connors was the perfect villain for Peter Parker in this film because Kurt Connors has lost an arm and Peter Parker has lost his parents. (laughs) And and his mum, yeah. Very, very (laughs) wise man. So he said of that opening logo, he said, I love this logo. It, I took some shit paying out for it. It cost 80 grand. The first film we used it on was X-Men. Fun fact. 80 really? grand. I mean, wow. it's good. 80 grand good. Oh, Avi. <laughs> Avi, Avi, Avi. Avi, oi, oi, oi. <laughs> And last but not least, it's the man who gave Infinity War four out of five so what's the point in living anymore my life is now lost all meaning it's colin john brain colin say hello hello everyone <laughs> how are we both yeah, I'm, I'm fantastic mate how are you doing i'm okay thank you i think we really need to ask rob how are you doing yeah because you're in a bit of pain again aren't we yeah it doesn't normally when we say like how we've been or what we've been up to it dates when we're recording but this genuinely could be it any time because of how often it happens but <laughs> i've only got it done now my ankle in again i've only got it done <laughs> my ankle in again so i've got a dodgy ankle um it's been dodgy for over a decade now um and yeah it's, it's fucked again brilliant <laughs> people ask how i did it expecting it to be an amazing injury went to a spa day with my wife they did a full body <laughs> massage the um, legs and foot area was uh included and I don't know why this sounds seedy when I'm saying it like this, but anyway, next day, can't walk. <laughs> Goals. That's how you relax. Literally, that's yeah. that's caused it. But yeah. you before recording, you said you had uh, an MRI, MRI recently, and they found a piece of missing bone from the. I mean, how hard was this massage? Pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tense guy. <laughs> People have got to really need me, like a they work that out. A bit of old dough. <laughs> Bloody hell. Okay. Um, uh, so let's stick with you, Rob, as well. Um, would you care to explain to the lovely listeners this week as to your Zoom nickname? My nickname this week is Harry Osborne. Brilliant. 
For those that yes. don't know, there's no secrets now because George announced to the world uh, many a thing about me in the last uh, Amazing Spider-Man episode. I'm a hairy man. I'm very hairy. So if I was to be <laughs> Peter Parker's best friend, I think I'd be Harry Osborn. Brilliant. I think we now know every inch of your body. Um, Colin? Yes. Spoiler watch. I yeah. think it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded an episode or mm-hmm. last spoke. Um stumbled across anything are we uh are we okay are we in the clear but i did have a little moment a few days after we recorded the last one and you had brought up Mm. something that i had already forgotten about and uh, about 30 (laughs) seconds of thought later it came back to me Uh, so i remembered about that which i guess we'll let people know yeah so it's it was some sort of reveal for the next deadpool and i think wolverine's in it or was there something to do with Wolverine and Hugh Jackman's going to be playing him for the, in the MCU? Sort of that-ish. Yeah. And Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool's going to be in the MCU now, right? Because has his films not been in the MCU previously? No. They, Deadpool and 1 and 2 have not been in the okay, MCU. Okay, so he's now going to be um, in the MCU, right? He's now joining the MCU. How they're going to work that, mm. I don't know. Have you seen any of the Deadpool movies? I think I saw the first one on a, on a a probably on a plane, because I think that I came out at a similar a time. Yeah, some similar time I was probably traveling from Malaysia and back, you know. Mm. But I I remember thinking it was kind of funny. But at that point, I was, you know, I had the same yeah. views on superhero films, films as I did when we started the podcast. So Yeah, and they have said that um, Hugh Jackman will be in it playing Wolverine, which is... Um, yeah, how old is that dude now, though? Yeah, he's... He's um, getting up there, surely. I mean, 60s, surely. And it has was, to be. Was this, right, I'm, I'm looking this up. Was this exciting news for Marvel fans? Yeah, exciting most news definitely. for us. We stopped the podcast yeah. to make you hold your ears and talk about it. Oh, yeah. it was that it's moment. Very true. Yeah, okay. that was that. Oh yeah, mid uh, I saw mid the... podcast yeah, something yeah, popped yeah, up yeah. on my phone saying it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. You said, "Don't listen." Um. So, have you? Where are you at with like the X Men movies and stuff like that, Colin? Have you Have you seen like mm. um? Obviously, all the X Men movies and then um. Uh, Wolverine himself had a couple of solo movies as well. Yeah, I remember watching Hugh Jackman's Fifty Five. Oh, okay. Still, still got some time in him. Um, uh, excuse me. Um, Pardon. I definitely remember watching. Did they do it initially? It was a trilogy: one, two, and three X Men. Yeah. Before uh, they X-Men, started doing other ones and then after X2, that. Two. Oh my god! Here we go. Then um, X Men: The Last Stand. It was technically, the last three trilogies yeah. and another one. Okay, so I watched those three. I watched um, I watched some, well, I'm going to say newer ones, but they probably aren't that new at all, but I'm just thinking back to when I still went to the cinema. I watched the ones when they did the characters in their younger days, the main mm. two. So X-Men First Class. That's it, First and Class, then, yeah. Days Was it Future Days of Past. Future Past? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I saw all of those, though. Was that a trilogy and as well? Apocalypse. Mm. Wow. I don't know if I saw all three of those. I saw some. And then I remember them doing like X-Men Origins and they did a standalone one for some... Was that... Wolverine. That was Wolverine, wasn't it? Wolverine. I didn't bother watching yeah. that because I, I, from memory, I felt like X-Men 1 was kind of the Wolverine that yeah. main story. And I thought, well, that's just... We don't and then after that, he had... The, you? Then didn't he have The, the Wolverine? Wolverine? Yeah, I didn't yeah, watch that. Which... And then surprising, Logan. Surprisingly uh, 
Yeah, I'll keep my views to myself. I heard Logan was cool. I've, I've heard a lot of positive reviews. You've not about seen Logan. Logan? No. Logan's all, all you. You're going to have a stiff oh, sweet. All the way through. That's, that's, a, that's a Colin John Brain movie. <laughs> hey, man, sign me up, baby. Bonus time. No, no, Let's no. It's it. on the list. We're yeah. definitely getting there. So, uh, uh, yeah, so I do, Deadpool. I do remember thinking, I think that was sort of coincided in, in the time frame of when I was just had enough of superhero films because I think X Men had a lot to do with that because they were just bringing out these, like, Oh, yeah. know, they were banging them out. At well, one I mean, point, and also yeah. I wasn't watching them, so from afar it was just like another Wolverine. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like, what, what are they doing with this? Like, there's there's plenty of X Men and women out there to give them their own films. It felt like they were just kind yeah. of sitting on Hugh Jackman a little too much. Mm. That's why I thought maybe his announcement in here, some fans might be like again, but I guess people yeah. are already ready for him in the MCU. So, Rob, obviously, I don't think this would be too spoilery for Colin in that. The, the X-Men, the, the property, has been bought by Marvel and Disney, mm. so they now re-own the X-Men at last. So surely we're not too far away, obviously a fair few years away, uh, from another X-Men movie. And there are a couple of people out there who say, well, what what what's it, what are they going to call it? Because Disney are, you know, this woke company. They can't call it X-Men. Surely they're just going to call it X. Like, where do you stand on that? Is it is it fine calling it X-Men? I think so. I mean, the the idea originally came from the idea that the FBI were called the the G Men, weren't they? They were like government men. Mm. So the idea was when from when X Men first came out, and of course them having an X gene, it was like they're mm-hmm. the X Men. I don't think it was a, a gender thing, particularly in terms of only men can do it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if they're gonna change it. It wouldn't really bother me as long as, as long as they get the characters right. Because of course. we talk a lot about my love of Hulk, but like. The comics I collected as a kid were X-Men. I was obsessed with mm. X-Men. I've still got all my comics for it as well. So nice. I'd be very excited to see how they, how they do it. Because well, the films have been disappointing me, me for a while. Yeah. Mm. As you both know, um, my lovely uh, fiance Anna, is pregnant. We're expecting our second child. Hell yeah. And um, she does not listen to this podcast, so I can say this. Um, we have decided... Uh, maybe it's slightly crazy i don't know to not find out the sex of the child we did for the first one for this we're gonna it's gonna be decided nope complete surprise now we're gonna go in clean so to speak (laughs) so we're deciding as a baby no no, rob shaking his head (laughs) i Um, can just see colin's cogs are turning i was like one of us is gonna say something yeah Yeah, so we've decided on some baby names and things like that and she doesn't really have much superhero knowledge or anything like that she, we've i've managed to convince her that if it's a boy his name will be logan obviously okay. named after logan paul Wolf, <laughs> just logan just logan and um, she's like oh oh i quite like that i don't think i yeah logan that's nice she isn't only when that boy pops out and we go oh it's logan well then i i will then say named after wolverine baby and then <laughs> watch her get very very angry but yes so we shall see in a, in a few months time i guess you got any girls names or uh mystique no i'm joking um, no. <laughs> no, no no girls names yet actually we keep we uh we uh haven't decided yet but if it's a boy it will be logan we're not there with a girl yet uh before we jump into the background of the film colin now you've seen all the spider-man movies you know since tom holland's spider-man is now dead uh you no, i don't believe you well he is <laughs> um you should now be able to rank your favorite peter parkers from your favorite 
two. I wouldn't say your least favourite because I think you like them all. So mm. we'll go from Peter 1 to Peter 3. Um, Peter 1 being your favourite Spider-Man. Could you please rank your Peters? Ranking mm. Peters. <laughs> ranking <laughs> Peters. <laughs> it's, it's, this is a tough one because am I ranking it purely on the actor playing the role or am I, or am I ranking it on the the overall enjoyment of the films I've seen these guys in because that that's kind of two different things right I think the actor um, playing the role the actor the playing, actor the, playing role. the role okay. yeah I mean I still I still think Toby Maguire is my favourite he's Peter one he's Peter one and then the other two kind of they're on a similar level I think although at the beginning I really didn't like Andrew Garfield playing the role as Peter Parker but I feel like the fact that by the end of that first Amazing Spider Man he had kind of pulled me around and I'd done a complete flip on him. So I think that, that's got to earn some sort of brownie points in a ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it gave me, you know, enough of a reaction to change my mind about them. And I just feel yeah. like with Tom Holland, I still haven't quite seen enough and what I have seen had its moments. But I actually think that um, Tom Holland might be Pete, Peter Free. Peter Free? Mm. I think so. I think so, but I still think I'm going to see him again. So I'm, I'm maybe in a vacuum cleaner. Maybe, it, yeah. It, it's a, <laughs> it's subject to change, I think. But currently, as it stands, I think that would be my rankings. Interesting. Yeah, you. I did. Mean, I did realize that you just said maybe I haven't seen enough of Tom Holland's Spider Man. Well, you've seen all of Tom Holland's Spider Man. So still don't believe you. Right. Okay. I don't know don't why. Know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we're also doing this podcast, so it's not like you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, he's back in a couple of films." Like, you're not going to tell me, <laughs> are you? So, I, that's I, true. I'm, I'm not going to trust you when you say those things. There's going to be friends. A part. We wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> no, he's dead. He's back. Right, he's coming back. So we'll see him again. We'll see Tom Holland again on screen. Maybe not in the current timeline or him. He will be there. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Okay, in, in a flashback, that would be his only option. Right, background to the film. Which would change the rankings if I saw more of, more of him, even if it wasn't. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, this is a very loose background to the film, so don't get too comfy, boys, uh, but bear with me. I'm not, I'm in constant agony, mate, so. <laughs> Sorry, yes, of course. No comfort for me. <laughs> Speed it along. Rob, Rob, don't move. Colin, be ready in a couple of minutes so in september 2012 it was announced that mark webb andrew garfield and emma stone would be returning for the amazing spider-man 2 now before filming uh, mark webb he announced his plan for the film stating that he wanted to create a universe that not only can withstand but also anticipate future storylines whilst also working in and of itself for one movie i can remember reading that way back over 10 years ago and my heart sinking because i i had no idea what he was on about uh, so it didn't fill me with the most hope for the film can you just say that again because my mind kind yes of fell, fell out <laughs> my ass halfway through what you were saying he's going to <laughs> create a universe yeah that not only can withstand but also anticipate future storylines whilst also working in and of itself for one movie. Wow. So I think yeah. what he's trying to say is... £10 a shit in a £5 bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I go through all those notes, and it still be a good movie that works as a film on its own, but also does all sure, things the studio Sure, sets up other one. things, yeah. yeah. Uh, when the film was also announced, J.K. Simmons, who played J. Jonah Jameson in the Sam Raimi trilogy, 
openly said he wanted to be part of the film and all the filmmakers had to do was give him a call. And obviously fans got very, very excited. Could it be confusing? Uh, Sure. Uh, Could it be awesome? Fuck yeah. Unfortunately, as we know, he did not get the call. Now, just before filming was set to begin, Sony released to the press the cast list, confirming, obviously, we've got Jamie Foxx would be playing the villain Electro. Dane DeHaan, I think that's how you pronounce his name, would be joining the cast as Harry Osborn. Chris Cooper as Norman Osborn. Paul Giamatti as Rhino. And also, Shailene Woodley, who is a very, very good actress, as Mary Jane Watson. Now, Shailene Woodley actually did film scenes as Mary Jane in this film, all with Andrew Garfield as well. But obviously, she never made the final cut of the film. Uh, Mark Webb explained... She dodged a bullet. She ready dodged a bullet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Mark Webb explained that she was cut because it was a uh, creative mm. decision to streamline the story and focus on the Peter and Gwen relationship. I mean, it makes sense, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It would have been maybe... It's an overstuffed movie as it that is. That would have been £12 of shit in a £5 bag. Yeah, so adding Mary that. Jane, yeah. And I think also adding Mary Jane might lessen the death of Gwen Stacy because uh, it feels like you're already setting up your next yeah, yeah. love. It's, it just feels weird. Now, just before the film's release, Sony announced an amazing Spider-Man 3, as mm. well as uh, spin-off movies such as Sinister Six, Black Cat, Venom, and also Spider-Man 2099. Oh. The Amazing Spider-Man 3 would have featured Norman Osborn coming back from his assumed death to be the Green Goblin, whilst Peter tries to recover from the trauma of losing Gwen. Now, upon its release, you know, this film, it wasn't exactly a disaster, box office-wise. It finished with a worldwide gross of $709 million. So, you know, we're approaching three quarters of a billion there. It had the second highest opening weekend of 2014 with number one belonging to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, with my boys. However, uh, a lot of studios, you know, they sometimes depend slash hope on repeat viewings in the cinema. And there was quite a significant 61% drop from week one to week two. And it just kept dropping further and further and further. And critically, and maybe more importantly, fan wise we don't we don't really get the happiest of endings here because this is to date the only spider-man film to hold a rotten rating on rotten tomatoes Mm. most critics sort of echoed the same sentiments Uh, the los angeles uh, times said the film is overstuffed with plot lines set pieces and villains although andrew garfield and emma stone do their best to give the movie heart and the telegraph here in the uk said that Mark Webb's Spider-Man is overstuffed with high-voltage villains, but the sparks between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone save the day. Now, what happens next, we've kind of already discussed on this podcast itself. We know that obviously Sony eventually made the decision to hire out Spider-Man to Marvel Studios. They would still own the rights to Spider-Man, but Marvel could make and produce some movies with Spider-Man in it, and Sony would just share some of the box office just for sitting on their asses. What a result for them. Um, so great news for us. I guess we got a wonderful uh, new Spider-Man in Tom Holland, who we got to see great performances in Civil War, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and um, lastly Infinity War before they killed him off. But we can't forget poor old Andrew Garfield. 
who, you know, despite a, a, like publicly admitting that his two Spider-Man films weren't perfect, he was a, he was also very excited to complete the story and give the character the closure he needed following uh, Gwen's death. And when asked how he felt regarding Sony moving on, he simply said the word heartbroken, uh, which is sad. I think you have to really feel for the guy there. But I told you that was going to be a very loose background to the film. So all, already we're on. We're at that time of the week again when I get to ask Colin, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. What did mm. you think? This was a quite an interesting one for me because, and it it really speaks to the. If this um, is five stars. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> no, but what I will say before I say anything is this is a great example of. Do not try and hype anything up for me. Because going into this film knowing that... I can't remember. I must have just kept up with it enough back in the day to know that they then didn't do the third one. I knew that this... And we might have even mentioned this on a podcast already, that this wasn't a trilogy. So, I mean, going into this, I'm expecting to watch a film that is so atrociously bad they didn't finish off the trilogy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was better than that. It, I mean, you know, it, this isn't anything to write home about. It's not a banger by any stretch of the imagination. And it is all over the place. And I can also imagine that if you're a massive fan of Spider-Man, you probably hate this more than I would. Because mm. because of all the mistakes that they probably made and all of the decisions and all of the everything that happened. But for me, it was like, I put it on and I was a little bit like, oh, actually, it's not as bad as I was expecting. And I really liked Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone in this film. I They're thought, so good in this. I thought that their chemistry was just, like, that was the only thing that kept me in the film, really. But that alone was good enough for me to be, like, a, a bit gutted that we didn't get a third one, honestly. Like, and yeah. for all the things you just said. And so I actually was a little bit sad as well. And I feel for uh, Andrew Garfield because, well, he's, num- he's Peter too for me. So I'm obviously, <laughs> like, a big enough fan of him playing, uh, playing the role. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but saying that, the film was it was all over the place and it wasn't it wasn't a great film. Right. It don't, has don't, don't, don't get what I'm saying too twisted. Just I'm just trying to hammer home the point that the reason uh, Infinity War didn't get a five star is mainly down to jaw driver hyping it. That's kind of what this whole thing is rolling. <laughs> don't you know don't, I mean? don't anger the internet like that. Well, you know, mate. I mean, look, if I sh- I'll show them the f- the uh, the the history books on our WhatsApp of all those screenshots and, and the daily countdowns of you overhyping this shit. I mean, there's a reason I didn't give it a five star. George's on Twitter. But yeah, man. So, so yeah, that, that's kind of it, really. Cool. End the, um, end the, end the episode. <laughs> yeah, just end it. <laughs> Delete you off WhatsApp. <laughs> um, Rob, uh, how was the rewatch for you once you finally got the Blu-ray? Um, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. Other than... Garfield and Emma Stone's performances. What they're performing is is pure garbage. <laughs> but I, mean, I I think I might go full Colin on this one. I fucking hate this yes. film. Wow. Yes. So much. That's what it's I want to hear. So shit. <laughs> like this is essentially Batman and Robin. You know, the Joel Schumacher film with mm-hmm. Clooney and the Bat Nipples. Mm-hmm. It's that, but for Spider Man. Right. You've got the sort of the, the villain who clearly has some kind of mental issue, mm, something that missing, caused quite a bit of controversy when it came out. I think wasn't it because mm. they were saying he's obviously playing someone that's maybe autistic or on the spectrum. Yeah. And mm. where do we stand with that? Yeah, 
And the spider's just like, fuck you, I'll beat the shit out of you. I won't try to help you. But it's, it, the fact is, it's like Jim Carrey as the Riddler, that he's like obsessing over Bruce Wayne for the whole of Batman and Robin. Not Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, isn't it? Mm. It's like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, same sort of thing. Mm. And, and then, of course, the hero worship falls flat and then he becomes this villain that just gets obsessed with... Yeah, it definitely yeah, didn't yeah. feel like an ori- there was not a ton of originality in in this one. It's also the same arc for Incrediboy in the Incredibles. Yeah, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, okay. I just um, you can see the studio shoving in all this shit, and it just makes me angry. Yeah, good old Sony. Yeah, something occurred to me when watching this film as well. It's, I, I, I hope I can put it into words. So. You'll find that most big blockbusters, especially when they come from massive studios like Sony or something like that, they tend to, not all the time, get the big things right. You know, the big bombastic action set pieces, um, the, the big stirring plot, and, you know, they essentially get all the popcorn moments right. I can be in the cinema and be like, oh, actually, this bit's pretty fucking cool. Um, the money shots, shall we say. But then they tend to get the little things wrong, and they're the little things that walk out when I walk out the cinema. That's niggling in my head of being like, "Oh, that!" that. They really dropped the ball with that moment as well, though. Like the, the the plane scene, the 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 fake pilot walks out, and he's washing the blood off his cufflinks mm. and his knuckles because he just punched the other pilot to death, apparently. Mm. And he's doing it in full view of the people that he's trying to trick. He's a pilot, and he leaves the other pilot just limp and dead in front of the controls of the plane. (laughs) (laughs) There was just so many bits where I'm like, this is so stupid. (laughs) I'm in agreement with you there, but this gets more little things right than the big things. I really hope that makes sense. So, you know, it's like what we've said, the relationship between Peter and Gwen, um, pretty much every scene that they're in and if even if it's just them two walking down the street having a conversation i could i find myself leaning a little bit more into the film and i I find myself a a lot more invested but then the second the superheroes and villains start flying about and fighting each other i am really not into it it's a very very odd film it really is i'd agree with that yeah I guess onto the deep dive and onto the moment which um, Rob just mentioned. The film opens with former Oscorp scientist and businessman Richard Parker, who uh, records a video message to explain his disappearance. And he and his wife, Mary Parker, try to flee aboard a private jet, which is then hijacked by an assassin. The jet crashes. I came so close. close. I didn't even say Javier Red. Fucked up. <laughs> I'm going high on the painkillers. <laughs> well, you were just doing the Adams Family theme tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Just put the Javier Reds in, in post. Yeah, I'll put it in there. <laughs> Cheers, mate. As quickly as you want, just to show me what's what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is, that seat. Javier Red. Javier Red. It's not even that exciting. This is better than what I'm about to say. All he said was, this is the jet I wish I had. Very insightful stuff. Jesus Christ. The one that crashes. <laughs> so in terms of this opening, it, it does sort of replay a lot of the events from the first Amazing Spider-Man. But I've got to be honest, I think when I first watched this film, I was like, oh, why are we dealing with the parents again? And yes, as Rob, like you said, it's a bit of a silly scene, but 
for an action sequence, I was I, I thought it was interesting to see something like this in a Spider-Man movie. Where do we stand with this scene? Is it is it just useless fluff or is it effective? I mean, it was all right. It was tonally, it was a bit odd because it felt more like a sort of rip-off born identity film was starting or something. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't rate those two playing as parents as their acting chops were a bit rough. So um, <laughs> not really the best sort of introduction to the film, if I'm honest. But again, like I, I'm I'm so past the point of watching these films with that much of a fine tooth comb that like a lot of the things that Rob's probably going to be picking up on just would have <laughs> just not even phased me at all. So um, I'd like to hand over to Rob and hear all of the horrible things that yes. happened in this film because that's more fun for me. <laughs> I like that um, you can definitely rely on a Sony Vio laptop to uh, oh really up, upload yes. your data. <laughs> Just like, just make sure you're tilting out of the camera whilst your wife's being mm. possibly sucked out of the airlock. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. It's uh, it's shit. I, I, especially when the shot that follows that whole sequence where you see mm-hmm. the Spider-Man logo and then it fades into the rippling suit and love all that, that shot. Sequence is so good. That's like yeah. that's an opening shot. That's I what think, you open your did film they with. open the trailer with that shot of him falling through the sky and the seeing they the suit so ripple? They were so desperate with this film that they did a nine-minute trailer, which was the whole of that rhino section. Oh, wow. They released it before the film had come out. Hmm? Yeah. Nine minutes. It's just wow. the whole of that rhino sequence at the beginning. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously, as I've just said, the jet crashes killing the couple... Mm. There was a deleted scene in this film, right, where Peter <laughs> is approached in a graveyard by his dad. Wait, cut it out. Deleted scenes. <laughs> You're right, George. I won't correct you because you were right. Yeah, there I is can a remember. deleted scene in which um, I watched it today, in fact, in which um, Peter is grieving for Gwen. It's when he stood by her gravestone. Now, this is a nice performance choice by Andrew Garfield because the scene is nonsense. But (laughs) you see his dad behind him and Peter, without looking at him, he looks up from the grave as if he sensed my dad stood behind me. Spidey sense. It was a real nice performance choice. And again, his performance is incredible. He elevates the scene. Mm -hmm. He turns around, sees his dad standing there and he's like, Peter, please, let let me talk. And he's like, no, you're dead. You're dead. Mm-hmm. Much like Tom Holland. And he keeps saying, mm-hmm. You're dead, you're dead. He keeps screaming at him. And it's such a it's such a good performance that he's saying about how like I had to stay away to keep you safe and all this sort of thing. And then they they're talking on a bench and it kind of fills the role of the Gwen speech at the end. Right. But instead it's his dad saying, All these years I tried to keep my yeah, I wanted to save the world and I wanted to save people with my research and I tried to keep it from bad people. And had I known that destiny would put it in the hands of you and it wasn't me that was supposed to save people, it was you. And mm-hmm. with great power comes great responsibility. And he says oh, it. Oh, no. He says mm. it. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a weird... It's kind of like in place... I thought, oh, is this in place of Gwen motivating him to come spying around again? Because I can kind of see why they might do that, kind of. And then they it cut to Gwen doing her speech anyway afterwards. I was like, oh, okay, so they're just doing that thing twice. Yeah, no, it had to go. Yeah, It's Plus, awful. Yeah, yeah, don't bring his dad back. That's just silly. No. Yeah, it's like he, he has a dad. 
Yes. Because I thought so, that's where they were going. I thought they were going to, he says, he says in the deleted scenes, uh, you know, my dad is dead. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, oh, they're going down the route of, his name was Ben Parker. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like his dad comes back and he's just like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't go down that route. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just suddenly remembered. I thought I could remember Performance seeing that Performance wise, really interesting from Garfield. But then everything he does is. Um, but otherwise, no. Yeah, kind of the, uh, maybe the rest of the film might follow pattern. Mm, um, pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> In the present day, two years after his battle with Dr. Kurt Connors, Richard and Mary's son, Peter, continues to fight crime as Spider-Man and he apprehends Russian cr- criminal, forgive me for this, Ale- Alexei Sistovich, I want to say, Due to Peter's reservations about his relationship with his girlfriend, Gwen Stacy, since making a vow to her late father to stay away from her, Gwen ends their relationship after their high school graduation. Colin, like Mm. we said, broad strokes for this film. Um, Let's let's do it. Andrew Garfield as Peter Mm. Parker in round two. Uh, How was he for you? Did he improve upon his performance in uh, part one? Uh, Is he phoning it in? No, definitely not phoning it in. And I would say consistent from the end of where it was at. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could say he improved because he wasn't, there wasn't as, I don't really recall there being any moments in this film where he was kind of unlikable or, or anything like that. Yep. But a lot of his stuff was very, most of his stuff when it was Peter Parker was the him and the him and Gwen Stacy wasn't it really the most there's a little bit I mean bit I of, guess there was some stuff of Harry Osborne and that as well yeah there? and he gets so, a little um, bit more to do with Aunt May as well yeah but, um, but, but no say, I think you know out of out of the cast he would you know number one for me I would say nice. him and Emma Stone just seem to yeah nothing to complain about really obviously there's a lot to complain about with the film but when you just talk mm-hmm. about specific uh, performances and yeah, yeah man he must be so gutted like not yeah. being able to get any wrap up or anything like that is a, that's rough. Mm. Yeah, I think you know the big aim for both himself and Mark Webb in Amazing Spider-Man Three was to redeem the character a little bit because it's but do weird. Do you think though that like people would have still gone to have seen a third one? Let's be real. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. would have gone to see it. Like yeah, and and that's they would what... have hoped they would be better than the one they just. Yeah, seen, exactly. And also, like, mm. look, this film was bad, but there's also been some shockers in the MCU. But they still churn those out and carry on doing mm-hmm. trilogies for each people and stuff. Like, yeah. So I, it I, got I, it got it, caught up in the whole hacking thing, and okay, right. It, it kind of Sony were kind of bad timing. Taught. Yeah, they they ended up they, their hand was really forced to try and because um, obviously it was around this time Marvel approached Sony and were like, come over to us. We'll, we'll take Spider-Man for a bit. And they were like, no, fuck you. We got this. Um, they were like, no, we want mm. him to join the MCU. And they, Sony were like, no, we've got, we've got our own things to focus on. And then those emails were leaked and the fans were like, what are you doing? Join mm. the M-. And it was a big, massive uproar. Oh, so right. so were- what was, I don't know if you mentioned this when we did the, um, the Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man one, we might've mentioned this in the, the bit at the beginning, but was there ever talk of of Andrew Garfield being the Spider-Man in the MCU no. before Tom Holland was thought of? No, there was they never even always a... wanted to reboot the character and make huh. him high school young. Okay. Yep. I heard differently. I heard that originally there was a push to try and get the Oscorp Marvel um, and try to get Sony to agree to put Oscorp Tower in the Avengers film, like as part of the city. 
so mm. you'd see Iron Man fly past it or something to that, you know. Mm. And I, I think, I don't know if there was talk about Garfield being in it, but I saw uh, definitely there was a lot of speak with the fans at the time. I saw a fan edit that was amazing of mm. putting so people Garfield in. Because that would have been totally Avengers. different, wouldn't it? If you if you mm. went in from the Garfield that you know the audience knew from these two films and then threw him into the MCU, that would have been like a totally different thing. Because oh, yeah, you couldn't have, have done loved that. To have seen him in the MCU. Yeah. Um, Just one of those things, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rob, uh, P- uh, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker in Amazing Spider-Man Two. How is he? He is great. There is one one thing that it makes me laugh, so I don't get too upset about it. <laughs> but um, where I think his performance is and accent generally pretty amazing mm-hmm. pardon the pun but there's a bit where he's talking to harry and he's sat on the rocks right and they're skimming stones and um harry mentions spider-man and he says oh maybe there's uh you know more than one of them or something like that and garfield goes just one man one spider-man or woman nobody knows for sure and it's just so like christopher walken <laughs> oh <laughs> <In his, laughs> In his cadence, that it's like one man, one Spider Man. <laughs> Nobody knows for sure. His accent changes about three times in the course of the line. Mm. Um, but other than that, I think he's pretty amazing. It's just that he's stuck with stuff that is so wishy washy. Is that I, I don't know why they broke him and Gwen up for the sake of. Mm-hmm. Like, because they kind of get back together. Fairly in quickly film. into the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I just sort of thought, but if you think about it, the films one and two almost stitched together. Yeah, it's the end of it, it, just it got of, back of him being like, "I can't do this." He doesn't go to a dad's funeral or something, does he? Yeah. And then, oh, but the he, promise, those are the best kinds of promises. The and then he does break. that weird whisper in her ear of being like, "Fuck what your dad said," um, yeah, and yeah. then they're back together. And then the film opens with them all breaking up again. And then getting mm. back together in the same film. Yeah, that's odd, for sure. Dennis Leary don't care, though. He had the easiest paycheck of all of them. Yeah. Dennis Leary stood in the background of, like, one shot and yeah. then sat in a car, which always makes me laugh when Peter's on the front of that truck in the first chase. And <laughs> you see you see Dennis Leary just staring at him like, you better not be fucking my daughter. He's <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Now, you mentioned Christopher Walken just then. Now, I have a very good Christopher Walken story. I did mention it on our previous podcast, Rob. Um, yeah. And, but I've got to say it again, because anytime someone mentions Christopher <laughs> Walken, I've got to talk about the story. Please do. <clears throat> now, Colin, years and years and years ago, about 20 years ago, maybe, uh, there was an up-and-coming band called Foo Fighters. And they were going to be the musical guests on SNL. Okay. The actual host of SNL that week was Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. Now, he'd never heard of the band. So, obviously, if, if you know SNL, the host of that week always introduces the musical guest. Sure. And he came into their dressing room, and he uh, came up to Dave Grohl and said... I want. I'm, I'm introducing your band soon. Um, what word is the pronunciation on? Is it on the foo, or is it on the fighters? Now we all know the pronunciation's on the foo. Foo fighters, we say. Mm-hmm. Now Dave Grohl's sitting there going, "Oh my God, Christopher Walken is asking me this question. Christopher Walken is asking me this question. What's going to sound funnier?" And he's like, "Oh, it's on. It's on fighters." He's like, "Cool, okay. thank you." So they're on stage, <laughs> equipment all good to go, live on TV, Christopher Walken turns up to the camera and says, and now performing live, for fighters. 
Man, that's a pretty good impression for you, you know? Thank you. I, that's a I, good one. I say it to everyone I know. I always say that story because I, a, a, I think it's one of the only impressions I can do. Yeah, and B, I one. find it absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I'm waiting to see me feel, mate. No, I've got to tell you this story before you yeah. go. <laughs> I'm going to be late. you got the adverts, you're fine. <laughs> so this band, 20 oh, years dear. ago... Uh, every time right um but yeah uh, andrew gets quite a bit more to do in this film as well um i think he gets to maybe spread his comedic chops a little bit more it's a tiny tiny little joke in the film but it makes me laugh every single time it's when he's in bed and he's covered in lots of dirt and grime and grease and um aunt may comes in after finally trying to get into the room for ages she says why are you so dirty and he says oh i've been i've been up cleaning cleaning the chimney or is it i'm sweeping the chimney yeah we don't have a chimney. He just goes, what? <laughs> oh, just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that got a giggle out of me, actually. Very, very now. funny. You just, you just reminded me of that. <laughs> He's um, very into his physical comedy in this one, I think. Yeah. Like, there's, the, there's the bit early on, there's like a montage of him sort of, it's, it's just before that bit, actually. And he's thrown himself back into being um, Spider-Man. And he... Um, like a truck goes by and he holds onto the handle as it passes and it like sweeps him off his feet, which mm-hmm. is 100% Buster Keaton. And then there's a bit later on when he's in Oscorp and he's trying to distract the guards and he's like bending yep. down to you know, get the coffee off one bloke that he knocked over mm-hmm. and then tripping over another guy. And like yep. he's a lot more, I think, leaning into that sort of physical comedy as well. Mm-hmm. And especially when he's got the, the, the costume on as well. Mm. He knows that obviously he can't do all, give us all the facial expressions. And so yeah. he's very, very, like, his arms are all over the place. And there's one moment towards the end where I think he's sort of arguing with Gwen, um, not full on arguing, but they're, they're having a bit of a back and forth and he plays it wonderfully. And it's all pure physicality because we can't mm. see his face in the scene as well. He's very, very good in this. So speaking of, you know, Peter and Gwen as a couple as well. Let's talk about um, Emma Stone as well. Uh, Colin, I'm assuming you're going to just echo the same sentiment as uh, Andrew Garfield. Does she still brings it? Yeah, brings it for sure. But I think, and this is probably going to be a theme for most of the the, the um, answers to this, is like acting is amazing, material they were given, not so amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, And also the chemistry between those two is undeniable. Like, yeah. like, as, like, well, like I've said already, that they... Some my only real like that was the because I mean this this thing kind of split off into well probably more like four or five random plot lines going on and this was the only one that I really gave a shit about when mm. they came on screen um, the chemistry was cool and some really like there was a I can't remember now off the top of my head but there was like some nice lines where um, when they have broken up but when they're sort of I think they're wandering around at like a fair or something and mm-hmm. they're talking about oh, you can't do that because then I'm going to still want to be with you. You know, it's, I, I can't remember it's, what it was. It's my favourite scene of the film. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was a great, great moment. <clears throat> that laugh, you can't do that laugh. Yeah, That's and then, it. oh, yeah, she just, yeah, yeah. she touches it. All she does is slightly itch her nose and he's like, oh, if we're going to be friends, yeah, none of that. Yeah. Why can't I itch yeah. my nose? He says, because I'm just going to fall in love with you. Like, you yeah, just can't no, touch your nose like that. Yeah, those moments were like really nice to see and it just made what happens at the end so much more like... Oof gut-wrenching really mm. um which we'll obviously get to down the line but yeah I did, like something i learned from the audio commentary facts was that um i didn't learn this from avia rad so that's why i didn't go with my, my oh, now famous yeah. theme song um was that that scene in the outside the chinese restaurant when she says um you know he breaks up with her 
she actually took the um, director aside and was like, I'm not doing the scene like this because I'm just being dumped for no reason. So she added, like Emma Stone personally added the bit where she says, no, I, I break up with you. Oof. And um, I thought, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. If only Emma Stone had done more passes yeah. on the script. It could have and been. It, it, makes, it makes complete sense character-wise as well because, like we said, he is going so back and forth. Mm. Then by having her say, no, actually... I break up yeah, with you. Yeah. That almost helps us forgive the weird back and forth they're doing because it, she's almost realised it in a way. Yeah. And she's saying, right, enough. Like, now I'm calling it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we missed something, actually, that I thought was very important in the... Um... So, you know when Gwen's doing her, her speech at the beginning? Yes. I thought mm-hmm. to myself, well, they shouldn't have that at the beginning, for starters, because it would have more impact if we didn't know what that speech was and we see it the first time Peter sees it. Mm-hmm. Terrible editing. Could have shaved a good, like, few minutes off an yeah. already long the, film. The long run time, um, Jesus. But also, watching through the audience, and I thought, hang on, I know someone in that <laughs> audience. And it made me sit up in my seat, ankle pain and all, and go, Excelsior! <laughs> I didn't do it as accurately as I normally do it because my son's asleep and my ankle hurts. Um, <laughs> but um, Stan, Stan says... Pain in your which, ankle does not yeah. is not an excuse for not being able to yeah, shout Excelsior. On, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying in the moment, in the hypothetical oh, moment, okay. I sat bolt upright in my seat. Oh. And I didn't say it loud now because my son's right. asleep and I fear what will happen to me if I wake him up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not a very good Stan Lee appearance, I'll say this. Not as good as it's, Amazing Spider-Man 1. It's not as good as pretty much any one I've seen. It's awful. Amazing Spider-Man 1 was a great one, though. Yeah. It's, an all, it's one of the all-timers, yeah. yeah. Peter runs up on stage, snogs his girlfriend like he's the cock of the walk, which again doesn't feel like a... A Peter Parker moment. That's the first sort of like Amazing Spider-Man one like Peter he's, Parker sorry, moment. Mm-hmm. Like he's the what? Cock of the walk. Cock of the walk. Yeah, you not heard that? No. Give it Colin, a Google. Have you heard it? No, I haven't, man. I'm, I'm intrigued though. This isn't this isn't a, a rust on the grind situation. This is an actual saying. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're no, just I'm making sure up no, sayings. That's why. I did. <laughs> I'm searching it now. Cock, Cock of the of walk. The walk. I have to. Say, I I realised when I said it back. I said I said it like Rob, the cock of yeah, the walk, walk, <laughs> yeah. cock of the walk, is a phrase that um, generally implies someone who dominates others within a group. Don't ever forget he's cock of the walk here. Nice, like it. Uh, See, example. we're teaching. We're teaching here. We're spreading yeah. knowledge. So being yeah. like a dick alpha male, essentially. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, Colin. I've got to say, uh, one time, um, me and Rob were in a. <clears throat> a meeting discussing a TV show that we were once involved in, in writing and directing. Hello. And we met with a director who, mm. um, fuck it, I, don't, I can't remember his name, but we'll talk about him. Uh, I, Rob, I will never forget Rob for doing this. He doesn't um, listen to this. Of course he doesn't. He walked into the room and you could tell straight away, he, he, was, he wanted to be a director for one of our episodes. Um, you could tell straight away this guy was a dickhead. Really Fuck thought of big walk. of himself and stuff like that. Proper and cock of the walk. What proper cock of the walk? And whilst um, he, at, at one point in our conversation, he referred to himself as an alpha male. Oh. And I remember Rob leaning over to me and just saying, "If you have to refer to yourself as an alpha male, you are not an alpha male." And I was like, "I love <laughs> yeah. this man. I love this man." <laughs> so yes, yeah. he was proper cock of the walk. Oh dear. Yeah, I might trim that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Burn some bridges. Oh fuck it. No, no, that, that, that bridge, no. 
Oh, yeah, I'll well, burn that bridge all day long. Um, anyway, Stanley. So, uh, <laughs> I love the way, like, yeah, this will be a short one. We're already at 55 minutes and we're in, like, two oh, scenes no. of the film we've gone through. Pete, Peter walks <laughs> up, thinks Lucky's cock of the walk, and um, Stanley goes, hey, I think I know that guy. So why would an old man in an audience say that? It's very weird. Mm-hmm. There's no one around him sort of going, I'm getting nonce vibes. <laughs> just sat at this graduate. Like, if you were sat at your child's graduation or your grandchild's graduation, and you, I think I know that guy about a kid that is not related to you. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Especially if the relatives are sat behind that guy. And yeah, I, I don't care for any. I don't care for any creative team that makes Stan Lee look a bit noncy. I'm not no, for it. No, enough said. As, as, not as Stan enough said. said. Yeah, indeed. So Peter's childhood friend, Harry Osborne, returns home to see his terminally sick father, Norman Osborne, the CEO of Oscorp. He explains that his illness is genetic and Harry is at the age where it first develops. Norman dies and Harry is appointed the new CEO. Now, before we get into Harry Osborne, I've literally just reminded myself of a scene where I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. (laughs) Just before he walks in to... uh, essentially um his father's deathbed uh, a gentleman says to to harry be careful it's dark in there we've had to turn all the lights off don't worry um, and believe it believe us it's for the best and you think oh my god what's he gonna look like he walks in and norman's bed is by the window and the curtains are open so <laughs> fun uh fun fact for uh who's that who's that i've seen her before who's that who's that I've seen her before. The, that geezer that gives him that little speech. At what speech point before. do we cap the jingles? There has never, been. Like, never. <laughs> never. Especially in a bonus. Keep right. Wrong, man. This was like the original jingle in terms of us podcasting. This That's a pilot season OG, isn't it? Maybe the, the first, first jingle. The first jingle yeah. I did, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's got to stay um, on. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so the guy who gives him that little speech, he plays the um, Laufey, the um, Frost Giant King from four. oh okay cool mm. i didn't know yeah. that i mean i, I recognize the guy but I, he's so obviously so covered in makeup um i didn't mm. realize uh so but yeah I'm, I'm with you i also like that how um, norman osborne's condition means that his nails grow into perfectly yeah. filed <laughs> what was claws there? <laughs> <laughs> so shit <laughs> so shit and why is harry worried his dad's got to be like in his 60s harry's like what 20 at yeah, this point, it kicks into him much, Just graduated much from high school. Though, He's the same age as Peter. Yeah. He's not going, oh, probably got a bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> probably shouldn't be so worried about it right now. No, nah, got another 40 years in him. So, um, Colin, yeah, we get introduced to another uh, Harry Osborne, this play, this time played by um, Dane DeHaan. Mm. How was he for you in this? You know, it was interesting enough to see this dude. He seems like a good enough actor. Um, and I thought visually he looked... He played the part quite nicely. I think when he turned into Green Goblin, then there was some rough uh, visuals. Mm -hmm. But I did like the fact, one thing that I would say they did better than the um, Green Goblin from the the Sam Raimi ones is I like the fact they didn't give him the mask, which meant you could see his mouth moving around and stuff. Mm -hmm. Although he didn't have a lot, you know, it wasn't like it was amazing Mm -hmm. what was happening, but... Vision, but then it was the weird hair, like the the hair looked very. Well, I want to come in it, like hair, it? O- overly hairsprayed and like very <laughs> fake and. Yeah, hairspray. Did you just? <laughs> We're going with hairspray. Um, Rob Dane DeHaan as uh, Harry Osborne. How was he for you? I think he was obviously hired because of his work in Chronicle, which is a great film. Great film. He's really good in it. I don't think he's necessarily awful in this. 
again, oh, this is a running theme. Had this been a good script? This is written by, is it Roberto Orchi and what's the other guy's name? The guys who did Star um, Trek, wasn't tra- it? Transformers. They also did. They also did Star Trek Into Darkness. Oy. Yeah, um, they're <laughs> not great writers. <laughs> Trying to put it in a way that was nice. <laughs> it didn't come out that way. So yeah, he was given a lot of stuff that just didn't make a whole lot of sense and just come out of nowhere. And it's, it's kind of set up that he's like this well looked after in terms of financially. He's but he's not built up as someone who can fend for themselves or mm-hmm. is like strong or anything like that or capable. And it just gets this weird scene where he's in, you know, um, the what's it Ravenswood, the the yeah. hospital for the mentally ill. And he just starts busting. He beats up two guards, doesn't he? And just like tasers them and beats the shit. Yeah. But he looks like he could knock the skin off a rice pudding, as my dad would say. <laughs> yeah. Am I right in thinking though, as well? Like we didn't hear he wasn't at all in the first one, was he? No, this? no. It's just so my like, old friend. Yeah, it's like that. Suddenly, they're pops like, out of nowhere. Like best as, friends. Yeah, Peter's, we saw yeah. we saw Peter Parker in school in the first film, and there was he wasn't. So, how were they? Do they even do they even address that? He's 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 been he's been abroad, hasn't he? I think they mentioned. Oh right. Um, I mean, you start well, with a flashback scene. You got the same kid back from the first film. Why not have a scene of him playing with Harry when they're kids? Mm-hmm. Or you know, just yeah, skip the plane scene. Have. <laughs> Yeah, something that leads into at least to set up the fact that these two are friends, and it's not just like, hey, do you, hey. Do you get the impression though that like, I don't know if it would have been Sony or whoever, but they they kind of just went, look, everyone's already seen all this shit, so do we need to bother? I, I know it's all, it doesn't make yeah. it good, but do you think that's what the mindset was? It's like because then wouldn't people have just moaned that oh, we get another? The first film. I mean, it's about to say yeah. you'd hope that that would be the mind frame going into it but we got all the death of uncle ben again in the first film and well, even mm. in this film we got goblin again yeah yeah it's yeah, just yeah. like pick yeah, no, what you're gonna just... do are you gonna have electro be the villain or are you gonna have yeah. you know the green goblin and i think and, if you're yeah. aiming for a trilogy of these films i think that the natural end to the trilogy would have been the death of gwen stacy in terms of how you're ending this sort of chapter of peter's life and it just seemed naturally to me that you should have just ended on Goblin having him taking that injection. Mm-hmm. But then again, that, maybe that's like Spider-Man 2 again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, we didn't touch on it, but the guy that playing the um, the guy that you struggled to pronounce, that character. Yeah. Oh, no, well, the, uh, uh, Alexei Alexi Sistovich, played by Paul Giamatti, yeah. That was awful, man. Now, Paul, yeah, Paul Giamatti is like this really like celebrated I'll, actor, and I'll take your word for it. But this one ain't on the top of his show. No, 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 no. I agree. He's he's one of the he's a very celebrated actor. He I've he's given some incredible performances in the past. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, he's, he's he he oh, takes it man. to eleven here, doesn't he? And it was just such a like the stereotypical like you know white guy with all the tattoos over mm. it, like with the accent and everything. It was just a bit. Oh, like, talking oof. of that, what about the um. The old doctor in the mental asylum. Oh. This will not hurt much. <laughs> I am going to dip you in the water, electric man. It's awful. Bad. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, That yeah, felt yeah. like I was stepping into a Austin Powers film. Mm. Yeah. No, was... To be fair, you could, I was thinking Austin Powers when we were uh, <laughs> so talking about bad. some of the bits earlier as well. Like, even the... um, that, that, that scene, I know we're bouncing all over the place, but fuck it. In that scene with Paul Giamatti when he's first... I love... 
the physical bits of Spider-Man in that scene where he knocks on the window and he asks him to wind it down, all that sort of stuff. And he goes, um, call me Spider, Spidey, second name man, or something like that. And he's like, call me whatever you want, um, but don't call me late for dinner. And uh, as a line, what, what does that mean? <laughs> it's the shittiest bit of bants. <laughs> <laughs> call me anything, but don't call me late for dinner. Well, who calls anyone late for dinner? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Is that, that's, not, that's not like Cock of the Walk. That's not a saying. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, before... this, this film makes me so angry. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> Before we move on, I will say um, I was confused as to the point of Harry Osborne in here because I'm assuming they want us to make make us somewhat sympathetic towards him, having you know him realise he's got this disease and yeah. But then at the same time, he does approach most of his scenes as the spoiled rich kid. So mm. Where, where where do you think Sony... What was Sony's intention there? Were we meant to sympathise or were we meant to dislike him from the get-go? I'm confused. That's why we needed a scene showing him at an age where he was sympathetic before the, his father and the world broke him. Mm. That's why you needed something to show him and Peter before the gap where they haven't seen each other. Yeah. For you to be like, oh, no, there's some good in him. Yeah. Otherwise, you just see him taking the piss out of Peter's hair and being generally a bit creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very good point. Whilst working in an Oscorp laboratory, mild-mannered electrical engineer Max Dillon accidentally shocks himself and falls into a tank of genetically engineered electric eels. Of course he does. They attack him and he mutates into a living electric generator. Meanwhile, Gwen tells Peter that she may move to England if she earns a scholarship to Oxford University. Unaware of the extent of his power, Dylan wanders into Times Square, accidentally causes a power outage, but is stopped by Peter as Spider-Man. Dylan is taken to the Ravencroft Institute, where he is studied by German scientist Dr. Ashley Kafka. So, another villain. Colin, how was another Jamie Foxx as Electro? Yeah, I was surprised to see him, to be honest. Mm. And... um I think also I don't know how much how many films I've actually seen with Jamie Foxx in but I kind of always thought that he was almost like um normally like the alpha male kind of character in a lot of the stuff I've seen him in maybe yeah. so I think seeing him play in this kind of role was a little bit like yeah huh? usually he's cock of the uh, walk yeah he yeah. normally is cock of the walk <laughs> and I think he probably plays the cock of the walk better than this character right um now it's time to light my candles yeah and then you know, man, I mean, look, you, th- th- this is another example of, of my, of sort of what I've complained about in the MCU as well. So it's just sort of another grab it off the shelf and, and just give it all of the stereotypical villain things. Mm-hmm. Like this whole film was a very much like completely switch your brain off and just enjoy the ride. It was one of those. Mm-hmm. And I get it for, from your guys' point of view, clearly you you're like, because you're more attached to what these things are, you have more of like a, this has annoyed me because it shouldn't be like this. Whereas for me, it's just like, this is just another example of a film you just switch your brain off and just yeah. enjoy mm. or don't enjoy. I think the film wants it to be one that you take seriously. Yeah. Because of the scenes with Andrew Garfield and it's, that's Stone. The, Tonally, it's so all that's over That's why I don't know how. Like, I think that's why it annoys me and too more. many villains, man. Mm-hmm. I love, a, I love a, a ridiculous, nonsensical mm. um, superhero film. Um, I just... This one, sort of, there's so many bits that are really good, and you can see the bits that are good, and then there's just all this other stuff just crammed in. 
and some bits are ridiculously camp and and insane and other bits are really serious like dramas and it mm. just sort of feels odd that you've mm. got dr kafka and, and you know gwen and peter in the same field i know yeah i think that's what what frustrates me the most of it is that you can sort of see that if maybe they'd left mark webb to himself mm-hmm. oh yeah it could have maybe have been something a lot more interesting like like the the scene in times square with um Honestly, the maddest bit of score ever. Yeah, it's, so it's we hell, have yeah. to discuss, yeah, Electro's score. Anytime he's on screen. I mean, I'm not yeah. down with the kids, but are we? is it like dubstep in the background? It is, yeah. And it's like, but it's also scored with the him sort of like, it's like internally in his head. There's chance, like, aren't He lied there? to me, he shot at me, blah, yeah. blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. Which, I'm, I don't think it works, but I'm, I fucking admire I'm on exactly yeah. the, the same page. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they took oh, a yeah. swing, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I'm. You know what? I'm not going to buy the vinyl and listen to this score, but yeah. I appreciate that they went for that." Yeah, yeah, Definitely. and um, I just simply think there's a moment where he sort of says, "They all the cameras are pointing and showing him on all the screens," and I thought it was really interesting that it was like they see me. You like you, you, everyone, people see me now mm. for mm. the first time. This this sort of guy who's like you say, could be on the spectrum or have some form of, um, you know, social um, impairment. Mm. Is suddenly re- like people are seeing him and he has a platform. And to show someone who's suddenly like drunk on that power and the attention that the infamy of it could bring him could have been really interesting mm. if they if they'd have run with that. Yeah, but he's then just sort of forgotten about. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah, yeah, and it could have been ridiculous and silly and. And and stuff like that. I just um, he it just frustrates me mm-hmm. because I I would, would have been up for a villain like Electro that is ridiculous and silly, and mm-hmm. you've seen that he comes from a background of not meaning mm. harm. Mm. It could have been the perfect Spidey villain had they not just sort of gone a bit crazy yep. with it. And another one of the little moments which I think they get right as well is obviously how they defeat him in this scene is just obviously throw water on him and we cut yeah. to um all the firemen and it's spider-man holding the hose but he's got a fireman's hat on yeah. love that really really cool little moment i also like how emma no one talks about how fast emma stone is because she gets from that carnival they're at to 42nd street really fucking fast <laughs> yeah. <isn't> she? <laughs> she must have been legging it um but yeah um so there's another thing about that um new york sort of Times square um, scene that reminds me of uh, reminds me of Avia Red, Avia Red. Always oh, done it right. Avia Red, Avia Red, Avia Red. I got it right. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> In which Avia Red said, "This is very wise and poignant." The skeptics said, "You can't put a costume in, put on a costume in the middle of New York, which isn't true, because everyone's in a costume here." Oh no! It's very. Ooh. Very poignant stuff. How did you sit really through this commentary? Really think about it. Because Who was on the commentary true, then? Was it him and Mark Webb? Mark Webb was nowhere to be seen. Uh-oh. Yeah, it was Roberto Ortiz, one of the writers, mm-hmm. uh, another one of the writers, uh, Matt Tolmack, who was producer of the first one alongside Avi Arad, mm-hmm. Avi Arad and someone else. Was Mark Webb on the commentary for the first one? Yes. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we get it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, the first symptoms of Harry's illness are showing, and he uses information Norman gave him to deduce that Spider-Man's blood could save him. 
he asks Peter, who has been selling photos of Spider-Man to the Daily Bugle, to aid him in finding Spider-Man. Colin, quickly, would you have liked to have seen J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson in this, or would it have just, A, been confusing, or B, overstuffed it even more? I mean, yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because then you would be doing this weird, like, parallel like universe of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because then... Because I was thinking, right, I've never watched Doctor Who, but you, you're a Doctor Who fan, aren't you, George? Uh, I, or... Occasionally, Rob is a big Doctor Who fan. Oh, okay, okay. So I, I've got I was a Doctor just... Who tattoo. Oh, nice. Okay, so in I know obviously there's been lots of different versions of who plays Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So when, when it's a new Doctor Who, is it like the, the universe that it's in is still looking at it as the same person, just in a different physical form? Or is it this is a new character altogether, like how we're getting with these different Over Spider-Man? to you, Rob. The, the memories stay on between okay. characters, but the personality and the physical appearance can change. Okay. And obviously, because uh, it's time travel, there's an element that you can do a bit of... That's true, right. ...retconning yeah. stuff. So there'll be stuff... For instance, like, it came back in 2009... And they did, there was so much stuff, like big invasions of London and stuff. And then they did a whole series where it was slightly dropped in that no one remembers any of that stuff. Oh. So the the guy playing the Doctor at the time was like, why don't you remember, you should remember who these these sort of villains are because they invaded. And they worked it into the plot that it kind of got erased Mm. from people's psyche okay. and stuff so they, they play around with it and stuff but yeah, it is generally not... known that there there are sort of like parts of the government that work alongside the doctor at times mm, and things okay. like that so it's kind of known within society yeah no i guess it's, it's, it's difficult because it probably wouldn't have worked in this sense because we've already seen like a whole nother version of the you know the um peter parker getting or turning into spider-man and stuff so it would be weird to see him pop up but would i've liked to have seen him in it fuck yeah because he's like amazing he's incredible and, in the role yeah and like you know i'd be willing to throw my logic out the window just to see him on screen for a bit mm-hmm. to be honest with you especially i mean he, he doesn't necessarily have to be playing in it. that jonah jameson from the spider-man trilogy you know what i mean he could mm. just be just being in the role again if that makes sense yeah 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 no i know what you mean yeah yeah but again but, but if he's on screen man uh, in that role you can you just want to see it don't you yeah yeah yeah. of course yeah if he's going to be in a spider-man film then let's get what the fans want yeah i is... suppose the part of it also makes you think like well if you if you could have him why why not norman Os- um, exactly William yeah Defoe that's what i mean where do you draw the line and, unless there's some theory of parallel worlds and stuff and he pops along and shit like that's mm-hmm. I don't really. That's where. That, that's why I wanted to ask about Doctor Who because I knew, obviously, I've never watched it, but I knew that there had been so many. Oh, oh Colin. Yeah. No, I we're not doing a Colin Brain versus, <laughs> Colin Brain versus Doctor Who. <laughs> Coming twenty twenty three. Put it out on Twitter. Well, see what people if you are ever, if you ever want a, an extra podcast, <laughs> okay. <hit me> up. <laughs> it would be quite good, actually. Okay, <laughs> I literally thought of that question on the spot. Where was I? Peter is unsure of what effects the transfusion would have and the possibility of Harry suffering a mutation similar to Dr. Connors. He later refuses Harry as Spider-Man, angering Harry. Oscorp Vice President Donald Menken frames Harry for covering up Dylan's accident, removes him as CEO and takes control of Oscorp. Harry proposes a deal with Dylan, who now calls himself Electro, to get back inside the Oscorp building. 
Electro agrees and kills Dr. Kafka. Now, we've sort of, I guess, already briefly mentioned it, but um, Rob, would you have preferred a different villain than Green Goblin, or did they make enough differences this time to make the Goblin feel fresh again, as compared to um, James Franco Jr.'s uh, performance? It was shit. <laughs> no, it was too, too soon and crap. Just the way they built it together. Like, I've got noted here, there's a bit where he's... In order to get Harry to find the files that um, his dad gave him that made him think, I need spider blood, they open the scene and think, right, we need to have a way that he finds these files. And he picks at his neck. He's got like a scab on his neck. He picks at it and then he drops the drive accidentally and it falls on the table and opens on the files that he needs. (laughs) And there's a moment where he says, like Spider-Man saying, well, this, you know, this can hurt people. It hurt, you know, Kurt Connors. It turned him into the lizard. And he says, Connors was weak. This is me. And it's like, well, why is that any different? Why would you go, oh, yeah, of course, you're different. You've got two arms. It'd be fine with you. <laughs> like, it's it just, all of it just feels like they're trying to crowbar it in for no mm-hmm. particular reason. It's giving Peter this weird dilemma that doesn't really need to be in it. He's already got the dilemma of whether he should be with Gwen or not. Mm-hmm. Surely the whole film should be Electro maybe putting Gwen in danger because you've set up them being together. Yeah. Like being in a lift together and knowing each other, and mm-hmm. it—I I don't know—it just all feels weird and, and pointless to me. Yeah. Speaking of another thing that annoys me, go. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? Why does Gwen still work at Oscorp? Yeah, of course. Her father is is dead because of an Oscorp. Yeah. Like. It just really annoys me, all of it. <clears throat> she works there because of plot, not because yeah. of character. Yeah. I wonder how many people have electrocuted themselves to try and get the gap in their teeth closed as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Of course, the, the gap vanishes, yes. Um. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, it perfected him. He evolved. <laughs> that gap in his teeth. It's such a weird... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop. It's all good. I love it. Colin, uh, so... Obviously, you've mentioned the film kind of feels overstuffed. Would you have maybe preferred a different villain than Green Goblin? Would that have helped the movie a little bit? Or should they have just got rid of him altogether and just kept it yeah, to I Electro? Mean, look, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't really know how many times there's been examples of having more than one villain that all works. And maybe there has been, and I'm just mm-hmm. not thinking of any, at least in what we've seen so far. But And also, again, it's like we've already seen the green goblin already like the people that are making this film are aware that the sam raimi ones exist yeah. i mean and if you're trying to shovel this mm. shit in a film why did no one stand up and just go lads <laughs> or ladies like green goblin's done like we don't Abby. need that layer to it avi what are you saying man <laughs> like we've got electro jamie fox is a killer actor let's put some extra time like what like were there conversations like that or like it baffles you sometimes when these films yeah get made with such huge backing and money and all this shit and they make tons and tons at the box office but then the, the reality is is that the film's just a massive mess yeah. and you do wonder like how does this happen sometimes like is it just a bunch of yes men is it a bunch of they're lo- only looking at numbers and they couldn't give two fucks about the art like who knows what it is we'll probably never know unless we end up yeah. mangling our way into the meetings and be a fly on the wall but it just really baffles me sometimes. Like, because if I can come up with a better idea, then your film shit. It's as simple as that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, <laughs> and I'm not even in that world. So, mm-hmm. it it does really make you wonder how these things happen, especially when you've got such a killer cast. And yeah. you know, 
it's just baffling, man. Mm-hmm. This is just another example of like a well, I mean, a swing and a miss is probably a good way of just summing up this film. Yeah, for sure. Upon getting back into Oscorp, Harry finds the venom from the now destroyed genetically altered spiders. However, after he forces Menken to inject him with the venom, it accelerates his illness and turns him into a goblin-like creature. But the built-in emergency protocol in an armoured suit restores his health. Meanwhile, Peter finds his father's secret lab in an abandoned subway station and learns that he had to flee because he refused to cooperate with Norman's plans to make biogenetic <sighs> weapons with his research. Honestly, mate, I'm I'm just I'm not even listening after <laughs> that. It's just It's the secret lab in abandoned subway station that gets me. Uh Peter then discovers that, <laughs> yeah, that, was that Gwen was offered the Oxford scholarship. He professes his love for her and they agree to go to England together. So they still tie in Peter's parents to quite a lot of the storyline. Colin, does it work in this film? Because I found the parents stuff particularly not particularly interesting in the first film. So do they at least improve mm. on that here? I wouldn't say they improved on it. I think I remember liking a couple of bits from the first one because it maybe introduced a couple of elements to Peter Parker's life that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know if we saw much of that in this. I don't know if we saw the... Yeah, no, it was just... <laughs> again, out of the amount of plot points that were going on, his parents are not even really there. Like, you'd have to literally talk me through what they what they did in this film. <laughs> it's been over five weeks. I mean, give me a break. No, no, I, no, I'm with you anyway, though. I didn't find it interesting. Rob, I don't <laughs> think I need to think too hard about whether the parents <laughs> mm. stuff in this film worked for you. No, not really. The We haven't even touched on the weird montage where Peter's making what I will call the obsession wall. Yes. It's like a big wall montage. Um, there's a moment where Sally Field has, you know, again, she excels. She's a great performer, but what she's given is horseshit. Um, but she does this whole scene about keeping secrets. That, that that works for me. He has that scene. He rips down the collage. And then when, while he's ripping it down, he finds the calculator coins. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start researching it again. <laughs> it's just yeah. fucking ridiculous. His montage wall as well. There's a few things I spotted on the wall. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so on his obsession wall, he has um, he searches on, online, what is Roosevelt <laughs> expecting Brilliant. to get some kind of interesting answer? <laughs> he tapes up onto the wall a framed family photo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but he does that. There's pictures of him and Gwen on the wall as well. Um, and he writes next to it on a big post-it, do I have to lose you too? Oh. Really fucking made me it's laugh. It's like a bad music video. Oh. Like. Well, it, the whole section was. I can't remember yeah. what song they used, but it was like, yeah, something out of a holiday advert. At least it wasn't Coldplay. No, I was just about to say that. <laughs> My favourite bit is that across many different post-its, he's printed Franklin Roosevelt's face across several like <laughs> probably about a hundred different post-its like a small section on each one why that's for, time consuming yeah, for whoever yeah, had to do what, that on the prop department what, taping up a <laughs> framed for, photo is um genius for, for um for, for peter barker's time as well thinking about it actually i can't this... remember the the band like we said the, the that plays over this montage but i've just realized what a perfect band could have played for it for fighters there go my heroes <laughs> making a big wall. 
Uh, doesn't yeah. like what, how does he access the, the uh, underground subway station again? Is it like so he, he, no, he puts, puts like a coin weird in. fake yeah, coin in, and then all the walls start moving every and st- day oh. to get to work. Yeah. Just now, again, I know I do this a lot in, in trying to write things that are, that would have been better for these films, but wouldn't it just have been really cool if Harry and Peter just got together trying to find out the secrets of their dads? You know, they know, they're both researching this shit together. He knows all this. He's trying to research about his dad because of this illness and trying to find out what shady mm-hmm. shit he was up to. Peter's trying to research about his dad and why he would have disappeared. And together they find out these fucked up things that then push him in different directions for the Ooh, end of the film. Rob. Would have been really fucking good, wouldn't yep. it? Also, second on, Rob rewrites the film. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's <laughs> Electro. He says his plan is to black out the city. He wants the city to be in complete darkness. Now, if that actually happened and they went through with that, because you know in the Spider-Man game on um, PlayStation, they have a moment where a virus actually breaks out and the whole city is in turmoil. Mm -hmm. And it's really fucking mad. You see the effect on the whole city. How fucking interesting would that have been if there was a full-on blackout, all things are going out in the, the hospitals. You see a bit of that in the film, but it could have been played for real mm-hmm. drama and high stakes. And and the reason for Peter wanting to save everyone becomes a lot more... It just would have been really fucking impactful if the whole city was affected by this thing yeah. as a villain. It could have been really fucking cool. Mm. But, alas. Rob writes the film... When Electro causes another power outage, Peter and Gwen restore power and overload Electro's body, killing him. Harry, as Green Goblin, arrives equipped with Norman's weaponry. 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 (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Cock of the walk. Upon seeing Gwen... He deduces Spider-Man's secret identity and swearing revenge for being refused a blood transfusion takes her to the top of a large clock tower. Peter manages to subdue Green Goblin but is unable to save Gwen who falls to her death. Guilt-ridden and depressed, Peter ends his career as Spider-Man. So... We hinted at it way back in the when we were doing episodes on the Sam Raimi trilogy. We actually did mention yeah. that there was a character yep. called Gwen Stacy who was before Mary Jane, and she was killed off um, by mm. um, in very horrible circumstances. And they actually do it, Colin. Is it is the scene effective? This actually was quite effective. I think mainly because the only bit that I cared about in the entire film was the interactions between um, Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. So mm. I felt like it was effective, man. I mean, the build-up to it and the, you know, the the Green Goblin stuff was all a little bit mm-hmm. throwaway for me and it was all very, like what you've kind of said a couple of times, it was just to drive the plot rather than any real character development yeah. along the way of a lot of that stuff. But yeah, man, like, and I thought they did it in a quite a good way, actually. Like, even they, they did, it's maybe the best shot of the film is the second she starts falling, everything goes in slow motion and the mm. score drops mm. out as well and all we, all the sound is the diegetic stuff from the film and <clears throat> there's that moment where he hurtles the web yeah, towards yeah, yeah. her and it flies through all these tiny little cogs and it gets so close to her and at one point the web almost turns into like a hand really mm. extending out trying to reach her and um yeah yeah the the thud when she lands is mm. absolutely crazy horrific though. um yeah uh, did we get you a little bit welled up maybe 
Not really, but I would say it's the closest and probably the most gut-wrenching loss of all of these. I know it's not MCU, but out of all the ones we've done for this podcast, More than the death of that... Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I think so, yeah. Huh. I think so. I like you're not humouring him anymore. No, no, no. no. I'm, <laughs> I'm just talking about in that film. Yeah. When he dies permanently. Yeah. No, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I think... <laughs> I think so. But then, to be fair, there hasn't really been any massive deaths yet because i'm still not like sold on what's happened at the end of infinity war so i mean yeah this was a this was a big one yeah um rob how does the scene work for you it does yeah i again like what colin said the the goblin stuff is just sort of like they solve the you know the villain problem with electro and then it's like one more thing yeah yeah yeah, so that bit doesn't work but i i think whenever they would have done this scene if they'd have done it late down the line and had time to build it whatever it's always how the scene should have gone down mm-hmm. because the performances are brilliant i love the the there's just like a, there's a moment where the, it's very on the nose but the, the clock literally stops mm-hmm. and the cogs you know is him like you say trying to just freeze that moment and trying to get get to it yeah. all that stuff really works for me yeah and his performance oh Again, this this is when it really works because like I remember mm. something in one of the Harry Potter films. Spoiler for anyone that's not read or seen Harry Potter. Me, but continue. One of the are oh, you fast? No, yeah, I'm not fast. One of the Weasley twins dies in like the final battle, and um, the two actors playing them are twins in real life. And um, he said, "Well, that's the one scene where I wasn't acting." Mm. And uh, you, that, it goes to show here that if you're having to act, that your other half is. Yeah, someone that yeah. you love in real life is is dead. It's got to come pretty pretty naturally, um, and he he really sells it. Nailed it. Yeah. It's no surprise yeah. to anyone. Colin knows what I'm about to say. That yes, I'm not the biggest fan of the film, but every single time, without fail, I sob. Not just a little tear. It makes me sob, and I think it all rests on the perfect build up to it, and just. Andrew Garfield's performance it's so raw uh, it really it's, is, it's, yeah. it's really it's, it's really devastating and it works for me every single time and it's it's not enough to redeem the film but Christ mm. is it good it isn't but it, it's almost like it's a surprise because the film's been so like pretty poor mm-hmm. at this point and it's been very Hollywood and everything's happening because you do you do still have that like Obviously, I I gathered because of the way we've discussed this already, but I'm sure if I hadn't even had a clue that Gwen Stacy was, you know, before Mary Jane and, and mm-hmm. had died in the comics and stuff, like there would have been a part of me that's just like, she's not fucking dead. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even all the way down, you're like that. Nah, they're not so, going to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. When she started falling, did you when did you click at being like, they're doing it? I clicked. I clicked, yeah. Cool. But then I just I could just imagine that if I didn't know that, mm-hmm. I would have yeah, been in yeah, that mindset course. from what had already happened in the film, going like, oh, they're not going to fucking kill her mm-hmm. off, are they? Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. when they do, it just makes it that much more of like a, a punch to the gut, yeah. you know, like, oh, damn. And then his reaction Oof, and... Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a... That's what I mean about like... I wasn't expecting to even have anything positive to say about this <laughs> film going into it. So the fact that like there's a moment in this film which is probably more of the one impactful moments out of all of these films we've done, mm-hmm. leaves me in a strange place because it's like the film's not great, but it's got some moments in it that are really up yeah. there. So it's, it is, it's an interesting exactly. one. Exactly, yeah, completely. Yeah. Five. Just on a slight parallel to that really good stuff, 
Um, did anyone notice that when the, the flight towers are telling the two planes, because it's pitch black, isn't it? They can't mm-hmm. see where they're going and they don't know they're about to collide into each other. The flight tower says, turn the plane 90 degrees. It's really lucky they went in opposite directions, isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't say which direction to turn 90 <laughs> degrees. And say counterclockwise or whatever. Brilliant. <laughs> it's really lucky that they just sort of went, <laughs> went up and just missed each other. That was this back when 3D was massive as well, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a lot of moments this was in, in this film. This was, where was released like, in the that shot, particularly yeah, yeah. him diving that through shot, the clock yeah, yeah, tower. Yeah. yeah. But there was a lot of it because the, the, even the visuals of this was a bit up and down as well. It had some lovely mm. moments, but also some really kind of ropey bits. There's a great. Uh, Gwen and Spidey moment as well before that goes down there's like a uh, police officer with a megaphone and he yells right in Peter's ear and he's like am I talking louder than usual because <laughs> he can't like someone's yes. yelled right in his face <laughs> like I said it gets all, it, lots of little moments completely right yeah, yeah, but it yeah. just stumbles on the big stuff I'll tell you what I, mm. I, I've been really negative on this film but I can imagine this is a great film to watch with your mates really pissed yeah. and just just all have a laugh enjoying about it. The, yeah. Enjoying the shit bits. Yeah. Um, just really cranking yeah, it up for the electro is a, dubstep as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, a bleak, it's a bleak affair watching it on your own. Because right, the thing is, you made out that I waited to... I'd watched this twice. I watched it with oh, the audio commentary oh, no and with the thing. That's why I'm I like, watched it twice, yeah. both times without commentary. Oh, yeah. how do you do I know, that it, it, This one hurt. This one took a, a while, yeah. Most of the time, I'll happily rewatch, but this, 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 I struggled with. So, five months later, Harry is coping with the after effects of his transformation whilst being imprisoned at Ravencroft. His associate, Gustav Fears, visits him, and the pair discusses forming their own team. Fears mm. orders Harry to start with Sistovich, uh, escaped from prison. And equipped with an electromechanical suit of armor, Sistovich dubs himself the rhino and rampages through the streets peter inspired by gwen's graduation speech confronts him as spider-man i don't really know what to say about the ending i mean it kind of bookends itself with rhino but is it effective in any way i like the line of on behalf of the great people in new york city and rhinos everywhere (laughs) that's really good Mm. it feels a bit like the first one in that you heard uncle ben's voicemail at the end of that film and this is Gwen's speech. Kind of play the same trick again, don't they? And it it pissed people off who had seen the trailers because the trailer had that last shot of him swinging the 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 thing. To swing the the metal cover into into, um, Rhino. So everyone thought, well, that's going to be a big action set piece. It's Mm. the last shot of the film. (laughs) Mental. Yeah, it doesn't... I don't like the whole fact that they've got seemingly a basement of uh, exposition and foreshadowing yeah that, what that was all that so crap? that's them really setting up the sinister six oh okay yeah, right. like Dr. Octopus's arms that's it, was, it. Yeah, yeah it was Vulture's wings it was yep, the rhino yep. suit so basically what they were saying was all of this is going to come from Oscorp all these villains they're not going to have their own unique backstories mm. it's going to be they're all just going to sort of get it from Oscorp yeah mm. um yeah, that's. It did really make me feel excited. That's why they also coming, announced the Sinister Six movie. These six villains sure, were going yeah. to be brought together in their own movie, almost like a Suicide Squad style movie. I'm assuming. Um, mm. Yeah, along with an Amazing Spider-Man three, and obviously, I think, like I said, Black Cat Venom, which actually did end up 
getting made. We'll get to it soon. They, they, that was another thing they set up in this film, Black Cat. Yeah, Felicity Jones. Felicia, yeah. Felicia, yeah, Felicia Hardy, who was um, turned out to be like um, Harry Osborne's PA mm-hmm. in the comics. She's Black Cat. So they were setting up that as well. Oh, it's just such Christ. a mess. Yeah, it's messy. Very messy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, this last scene for me was... I mean, I was still kind of a little bit like, man, about the whole uh, Gwen <laughs> Stacy death thing. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it was just... It was just... By this point, man, I think I was... You checked out. You know. I definitely checked out. And also, the whole Rhino thing to me just looked really... It just looked very comical <laughs> and... Um, the that seeing that Paul was it Paul Giamatti yeah, yeah. Giamatti you said yeah. like I mean obviously I'm I'll, I'll I'll take you guys word for it that he's and I do recognise the name so I, I'm sure he is known for being a fantastic actor but my God if this is the only thing you've seen <laughs> yeah. you're not going to be saying that to many people <laughs> oh, in one it seems fitting in this bonus episode I'll try not to do it um, too often but in Rob rewrites the film <laughs> Rob rewrites the film it's um wouldn't it have been really great if he'd been stood mourning over all that time, you see the seasons pass and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, whilst her speech is playing over the the end scenes. And um, it's sort of, you realise that, say, like two seasons have passed and he's still stood there. The speech ends, he looks up and underneath his, under his shirt, you see a little bit of the Spidey costumes, you know, he's going to get back out there. Because mm. it just didn't need, it didn't need this need last the scene, Yeah, end the, the shot with it just you, being underneath the shirt. Like, yeah, yeah he's, he's not given up, but you know, he's not—he's not okay. <laughs> yeah, and then you're just leaving that sort of that emotional moment of the death. That's—that's mm-hmm. that's the last thing you're thinking about, which is a lot more impactful on a viewer than, oh, what's going on now? There's another villain. Like, <laughs> yeah, they—they they end yeah. it on a big. It kind of smells of studio, doesn't it? That they—we have this yeah. really horrendous scene, and then end it on a big hurrah superhero movement yeah yeah and it's also that that sort of very stereotypical tv show thing where the last thing the last scene is just there to get people to come back for the yeah, next yeah, one yeah. you know like that's kind of what that felt like it was there for mm-hmm. it's like this is what's coming up yeah next. You, yeah Here's coupling that with that the we... sinister six introduction yeah it does it's it's, yeah, it's lazy yeah, it's lazy yeah. it is but I also do still think it is a, it is a big shame that that we didn't get a third it's one weird, because right? who knows yeah. what that could have yeah. been. Yeah, they could have. You know, there's. I'm sure when you look at a lot of trilogies, I'm sure there's examples of where the second one might be the the ropiest because it's trying to manage what happened in the first and set up for the final. Like I'm sure that's not the easiest task to be done in filmmaking mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so I do think it's still. I'm still like frustrated that, that we didn't get a third and i still don't really know why is it was it just down to the poor feedback uh, no like we said it was the whole email thing as well yeah okay right <clears throat> yeah they they kind of had no choice in the end once they realized there was an opportunity for spider-man to join the mm. mcu um yeah fans i think then were like no no okay. let's, let's do that instead okay so let's jump into ratings um Colin, out of five. I think I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a solid two. Mm-hmm. Two. Uh, a two. Okay. Very close to a 2.5, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's pushing it a bit too close to some other films I've scored <laughs> around there. So it's going to be a two. Okay. Rob, out of five. One. Wow. Yes. Half, half a star for Andrew yes. Garfield, half a star for <laughs> yes. Emma Stone. I love it. Because That's if I'm exactly giving half it. a star for other things, I don't think there's enough in it to really wow. 
make me award the other yeah. stuff. So I might start my maybe one is too harsh. No, it isn't. I was, I was I was going between one and two, and I but then I think I hate this a lot more than I hate other things I've given two. <laughs> so it's got to be one. I think. Nice. Wow, that's a bashing. Um, can I give a film two stars that I cry to? Because obviously something has affected me. Fucking hell, you can't give anything two stars then, mate. <laughs> Jesus. Ah, because it shows that Limits, at yeah. some point, obviously it's worked. And they're both really good in it, but the villains are crap and the storyline's crap. The parents are crap. It's a two. It's too much crap in there. It's too much crap. <laughs> I love the fact we got the uh, rundown of what your brain was doing. So. That was literally <laughs> what, how my brain works. <laughs> <laughs> the parents are crap. This is crap. Let's yeah. take it. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So two, two, and one. Okay. Yeah. We've had we've had strong. Hopefully, weeks. it's never gone that way before. No. I was going to say, is this the first time someone's rated something lower than me? Oh no, it isn't. I think I gave Iron Man. Two is it our lowest screen. rated film yet? That could be. That could Shall be. Have a look. Hmm. I've got the numbers. It's going to be between this and Dark World, surely. Mm. I feel justified because I'd already pre-ranked it as one, so my, my initial <laughs> thought was correct. Yeah. Uh, 1.5 Colin gave for The Incredible Hulk. 1.5? That feels a little harsh. Did I really? Uh, Christ. It's boring as fuck. But yeah, it did. I mean, yeah, I, I stand by all my ratings and I can't remember anything about the film, but I didn't <laughs> know I gave the original 1. Avengers. 5. Change that. <laughs> yeah, true. Um... <laughs> I don't, I don't recall being so harsh so soon because wasn't that like episode it's two, number two? Oh, yeah. episode two. <laughs> That's wow, when me and Rob are thinking this time, podcast man. is a bad idea. <laughs> Letting the listeners know what they're in for quite quickly, and I. Yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't changed. You're going from Iron Man to Incredible Hulk. It's bound to make anyone feel like they got whiplash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One point five. Yeah. Well. You know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. Okay. Trivia time. Who's going first? Um, I don't mind. I'm easy. Does anyone... Is 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 Rob, like, fully on winning on the bonus? I'm, it's 3-1. Oh, 3-1. Okay. Uh, All right, I'll go first. Cause <laughs> George looks so defeated by that news. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go first. Well, that's your trivia. Um, yeah. And we'll see if on, I mate. can try and catch up a little bit. Yep. Uh, so my trivia this week actually comes from a brand new book released just a couple of weeks ago uh, by a guy called Sean O'Connell. Um, I guess we can say we've actually already reached out to him as well. Um, he potentially in the future at some point, he might be joining us on the pod for one episode. It's in the works, guys. Um, and yeah, the book's called With Great Power, discussing all of the uh, Spider-Man films that we've seen. And obviously the death of Gwen Stacy is one of the most famous comic book sequences of all time. We've mentioned it before, obviously. And Andrew Garfield knew that it was going to be the biggest, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest moment of the film. And he really wanted to do it justice. Now, everyone knew that Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were an item. And Mr. Garfield came up with the idea of spending an entire week apart from Emma Stone. So he asked Mark Webb, the director, if they could make it, make it work in the schedule, to which they could. So Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone didn't see each other for seven days. They cut off all contact to each other as well, and it was arranged that they wouldn't even see each other on set before this scene was going to be shot as well. Emma Stone was told not to even look at Andrew when he came on set, just lay there in front of the camera, and throughout the entire filming, 
do not even open her eyes. Now, Mark Webb was kind of expecting that things might get a little intense, so he actually made it a closed set, meaning only members of the crew that had to be there were there for this um, sequence that we've discussed as well. And when asked how the scene went, because Sean O'Connell interviews many um, members of the crew and some members of the cast as well. Uh, let's just say, obviously, it's all there on the screen for us to see. But the following hour was described by members of the crew as grueling and powerful. Uh, a crew member also for the book members um, says that they remember Andrew coming in and crying uncontrollably for hours. Um, now that's dedication. And I think that's kind of what made the scene so powerful as well. And that's how much that, that scene meant to them, that they did all of this even outside of the film and made it even affect their personal lives just because they wanted that scene to work so much at the end. And in my opinion, it paid off. That's my trivia. So I think it was Sean O'Connell's trivia, really. But what? Some dirty tactics there. Some dirty tactics. Wow. <laughs> Throwing in the, oh, we're getting this guy on the podcast, Colin. You've got to give me the point for the Oh, trivia, yeah, then I can you? say, your, That's what yeah, your stuff like. in the book wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, if I don't give it to him, he's not going to want to come on the damn thing, is he? <laughs> That's some dirty tricks no, there, man. No, don't know what you're on about. No, oh, of course you know. <laughs> so, my trivia is... Uh, so, Mark Webb, the director of this film, he had a two-picture contract with uh, 20th Century Fox. We mentioned in the previous Amazing Spider-Man episode that one of those films he'd already done, which was 500 Days of Summer. Now, the second feature that he was due to have done would have conflicted with his schedule for directing The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, um, to be released from that obligation long enough to shoot the film, Webb had to agree to uh, extend the contract to three films. And on top of that, when um, Sony um, put this film out into cinemas, they also had to agree with Fox that they would show a mid-credits teaser scene. Now, we've seen a lot of these in Marvel films. It's normally something setting up another film in the storyline. So normally, I guess it would be Spider-Man or something like that. But um, in it, it was amusing, really. You sat there in the middle of the credits and suddenly an X-Men film starts. Show, shows a scene from a, an, an upcoming X-Men film in the middle of uh, the Spider-Man credits. And that was because Fox demanded that if he was going to be let go of this uh, contract that he's got or you know, be allowed to direct this film for Sony, that they would be damn sure they're going to advertise their upcoming X-Men film, which was X-Men Days of Futures Past. That hasn't been in any of the um, digital releases or DVD releases or Blu-ray or anything. It was just for the um, theatrical releases. But it just stands as a weird sort of moment in time where these two studios were like using petty tactics to, yeah, that's to really war crazy. against each other. Mm. Mm. I didn't know that. Wow. So it was only in the theatre release that that happened? Mm -hmm. Wow. So much so that I left the I left the screenings. My, my wife was like, "What's the? It's just a it's just a scene." I was like, yeah, but I, I'm going to go see the film. I don't need to see a scene. Yeah, exactly. Film the yeah, film. yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was weird. That is odd, huh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that little laugh. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the use to start trying to fight for no. you for your point. No. Nah, not this week. Okay, I think I'm going to give it to George this week. <sighs> I mean, it was good trivia, but I do feel no, like... No, honestly, I uh, hand on my heart, I didn't mean it as dirty tactics. Honestly. Well, no. But honestly, it's because 
The book has just been released a couple of weeks ago and, you know, certain trade publications or something just, I knew that we were recording this episode and it popped up on like some, I think like Empire website and it was like, oh, um, more details about the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Gwen Stacy's death. And I was like, what perfect timing. And I read it and I found it, found it really interesting. And I was like, well, we record this in a couple of weeks, so I've got to jot this down. I like it. No, it was good. It was good. I'll, I'll, I'll admit so what what is it now in bonus points? Three, Three two. two. Three two. He's, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. He's patronizing prick. Side. He's doing all right. <laughs> he's doing all right. Oh, I'll give him a few. Brilliant. Okay, so um, <laughs> as always, everyone, please, if you enjoyed this, uh, the feedback for our first Amazing Spider-Man episode was really, really lovely. So thank you all for your kind words. It really does mean a lot. Um, obviously, Colin's not on the socials, but we do kind of screenshot a lot of stuff and send it to Colin as well. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. So please uh, rate the podcast uh, where you can, review it, and obviously share it to your friends and family as well. Next episode... I'm not entirely sure where we're going yet. I think we have an idea of what we're doing, but we're going to leave it as a surprise for you guys. But trust me, if it all works through, it's going to be a banger of an episode. So in the meantime, Rob say bye. Bye. Colin say bye. Goodbye. Stay safe, stay well, stay nerdy. Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. Look out! Oh, oh, he's escaping! <laughs> I fear we have not seen the last of him.